Welcome, everyone, to CBuzz, the Columbus Chamber of Commerce's award-winning podcast and also Columbus's first business-focused podcast. Our show was presented by the Columbus Chamber of Commerce and Capital University. I'm Michaela Hunt, brand journalist, and back here with you as your host for CBuzz, where we bring you really unique and impactful stories directly from leaders right here in our Central Ohio business community. We are coming to you from our home at Capital University's Convergent Media Center, which is truly a collaborative space for students and faculty to study everything from music to film, creative writing, digital media, and more. And we are excited to tell incredible stories through this platform. We're really glad you're along for the ride. Now, today we're sitting down with John Carter, President and Chief Operating Officer of Nationwide Financial, located in Columbus, Ohio. John assumed his role as President and Chief Operating Officer of Nationwide Financial in 2019. He oversees the company's retirement plans, life insurance, individual business and corporate owned, and focuses on providing innovative products and solutions that help individuals and businesses' retirements and financial futures. John advocates for retirement security in America and is really Really a key voice in discussing regulatory and industry conversations impacting retirement planning. We're going to dip into his brain for a little bit today. He's also a Mizzou alum, which I'm super excited about. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us oh, today. Michael, it's great. Thank you so much. Um, I was really looking forward to this. So I'm looking forward you. to it too. Our listeners are as well. So first of all, tell us, you know, I explained a little bit about your role. But really, tell us your perspective, your role as president of Nationwide Financial, what it means to you and what you're doing with it. Thanks for the question. I've been in financial services for 35 years, actually, since I graduated from Mizzou. And I love I love this industry of financial services for a lot of reasons. Um, I grew up one of eight kids, um, small town, rural Missouri. We had enough, but didn't have much. Uh, education was going to be how you could... Uh, do more and have more. And then I learned about this financial services industry. Um, the first thing I learned about it was that if you were an advisor, you were on 100% commission. Well, that would be terrifying to so many people. Right, right. <laughs> All I heard was there's no upside, like, like there's no <laughs> limit. You can. That's what you heard. That's what I heard. With hard work, and with, you know, the ability to learn and try new things and grow, I was introduced to financial services. So what that did is for a kid from a small town, from a large family, uh, didn't have a lot, it opened the entire world to me. Um, the firm that I joined uh, gave me the opportunity to uh, live in Kansas City at the time. That firm was acquired and that gave me an opportunity to live in Detroit that firm was growing, so that was an expanded opportunity in Baltimore. You've moved around. You've seen, you know, you know <laughs> the do. drill. I do know the drill in um, a different industry, yeah. And I worked with the same team until in, in, up in New York as well, uh, until I was recruited to Nationwide. And what I loved about the opportunity here is what a brand. I mean, Nationwide not only has a brand here in Central Ohio, but literally Nationwide. And, and the financial services piece of it, though, for me, I felt like Nationwide was a bit under, misunderstood, meaning you know Nationwide is, is auto and you know it is home and business protection. And that's a, those are very important and large businesses within Nationwide. 
But some people may be surprised to know that the financial services business, the team that I lead, actually contributes the most profit to Nationwide. Really? So we started about 50 years ago. We were a small business. We were a startup. And now the Nationwide financial team probably be around a Fortune 130 team on their own. And Nationwide, the enterprise is somewhere probably Fortune 65, 70 or so. So what... Um, what, why I kind of go through that is I've seen what it takes to compete in a hyper-competitive industry. I've seen what it takes to start a business and grow a business. And now, as we emerge out of the, the pandemic, how do you stay relevant? How do you stay ahead? And, and in protection, and I think that that's certainly something that people are keyed in on right now, protecting people businesses and futures with extraordinary care. That's what we're doing on the financial services side. Since you you brought up the pandemic and it's it's such a massive part of some of the um, business challenges and businesses solutions we're looking for, what did you learn about your customers from the pandemic? What do you, what do you think came out of that? Well, customers are smart and and if we were smart, we were going to listen to them. We were going to listen to their fears. We were going to answer their questions. If we didn't know something, we would say it, and we'd be there for them. So an example of that is that we've invested in award-winning technology and lots of ways that customers can do the things by themselves, for themselves, for years. But we never abandoned the customer to technology only. We always had people there to pick up the phone or to reply to emails, to answer the questions that they might have had. And the reason is why is in the financial services business, over the years, people make the worst decisions financially when they're the most emotional. Mm. And, and with the markets being volatile and all, everything that we've gone through, we've all been scared. We've all been emotional. And we really wanted to be there to make sure that people would make great decisions and sound decisions when it mattered most. And, and, and so from that standpoint, we listen to our customers. We continue to invest in technology. But the thing we've learned coming out of the pandemic is just the, the way customers want to interact with us. They certainly want to be able to get a hold of somebody when they need to. But many times, I mean, with their phone or with their devices, I mean, they want to do it themselves, not talk to anybody, not be bothered that way. Um, they're really focused on price. And they want to know the value they're going to be getting. What they're getting. Yep. For you as a leader, what lessons did you learn during the pandemic? How did, did it change your leadership style in any way, shape, or form? Many ways. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm laughing because I'm kind of going back to a coach that I worked with. And what he said to me, and this was early on in the pandemic, he goes, you're an empathetic person, but people need to see it. You need to dial it up way more than you're dialing it up. And so for me, that really put me in a position where I needed to be comfortable being vulnerable. I've always made courageous decisions and handled things that way, but showing empathy, being vulnerable, um, you know, being courageous, you know, those are things that, that I think were um, learnings. And so in fact, as a team, we went through many ways that we could could show that vulnerability with our teams and 
and really get people to talk and to open up when we really needed to do that, particularly when we had um, social unrest after the killing of George Floyd. You know, we had people that, you know, may look very different than me that were hurting in different ways. And we needed to have the ability to have those discussions in the business community with our teams so then that we could at least understand and learn from each other so that we could work with each other. There are a lot of companies and organizations that have completely embraced that way of thinking or have started to. Others, it's it's taken more time. You and I know the world is definitely changing. Why do companies need to change in that way or in other ways, in the way that you were able to address that through your leadership or in other ways? Well, I appreciate that question because I'm grateful that I've had diverse teams most of my career. Financial services is a business that's hyper-competitive. Basically, it's, it's almost like, you know, athletics, which are the, the scores on the, the numbers on the page are the ones that, that matter, you know. And stats. You win, you lose, you know, you have competitors, and somebody's number one and some's not. And so, um, you know, knowing that that's the backdrop and when I think of the strength that I've brought as a leader and the strength of my leadership team, we've been inclusive. But we've been inclusive before, yeah, before everybody started talking about inclusiveness. I mean, inclusiveness for us was a way that we drove performance. We'd get people around the table that had different ideas, different backgrounds, that, 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 that we did have a trusting and a, um, environment where you could challenge each other in respectful ways. But then at the end of the day, you know, you, we appreciated that others were bringing experiences and good decision-making into the, into the room independently, and that made us a better team. Well, when you think about financial services, financial services truly are tied to culture. And culturally, different communities might do things in different ways. So having all those voices at the table makes a massive difference from what you can provide from a service and product standpoint. It, it does, and it, it also opens up the industry to so many more people. I mean, I'm 58 years old, I'm white, and most of the people look like me when I came into the financial services business. That's not America today. No. And, and what I hope is that there could be more students that are minorities and different that look at financial services, and they see that same opportunity that I saw when I graduated out of Mizzou, which was, wow, unlimited upside. You know, today we have an organization at Nationwide called the Nationwide Retirement Institute, and it's over a decade old. And it has amazing research data and information on customers and constantly looking at that research of how we can gain insights and to be more effective with our customers and winning new customers. One of the things that came out of the Institute was that close to 90% of um, black students in historically black colleges look at the finance industry as one where they wouldn't get a fair shake if they came into that industry. Well, you know, if I would have heard something like that when I was in college, I probably wouldn't have even picked the industry. So we started the Financial Alliance for Racial Equity, which is a coalition um, of companies like Nationwide, asset managers around the country, and historically black colleges to change and 
create scholarship and sponsorship and really tracks to open that up, not only for the students, but once we get more people in the industry, we're going to have a larger industry. So from that standpoint, I think um, FAIR is something I'm proud of, but something we have a long way to go. But we've been working on that for years already. Your team, you've talked a little bit about inclusivity and kind of how you were doing that before it was a thing that was being talked about. How do you empower your team right now, even after looking back at these 18 months and how you've changed your leadership style just a bit from the conversation you were telling me about you had with your coach? How do you empower your team right now in a time where it's we're in the midst of the great resignation, right? Yeah. And people are looking for flexibility and things that work with their lives. And I mean, we know what the job market looks like right now. How are you empowering them? We can call them and ask them. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you phone know, a friend right now. Exactly. Phone, phone, a, phone a colleague. Um, oh, in so many ways. I mean, when, when I think of empowerment, it's really understanding each other in so many ways and in an authentic way. We have a team that is hyper-competitive, super smart, individuals that do come from different backgrounds, that are the type of people that they want to win and they also want to help their team win. It's, it's that type of, of team. What I like in my role is I see, you know, in many cases where these individuals, like I was, you know, decades ago, could accomplish more than I even thought that I could because somebody believed in me. Mm-hmm. Somebody truly had their back, not only when things were good, but, you know, we all know it in our careers. Somebody doesn't have your back when you're really down. That's a tough place to be. And so when I look at uh, my team, we're all going to make mistakes, but I think that um, they would say they're treated fairly. They're given the opportunity to compete um, they know that that we work to live, we don't live to work, and that we have pretty amazing programs so that, you know, you can make the decisions and be empowered to make those decisions that, that you're responsible for, and we all don't have to be in the room at the same time to do that. So we can move pretty quickly and pretty decisively. Mm-hmm. For for businesses, you know, who are listening, because we have plenty of business owners that listen to this, including small business owners. You know, what advice do you have about recruiting talent then? Since we were talking about empowering your people, what advice do you have on recruiting and retaining? Yeah, a couple of, um, we have a lot of programs and, and, and I want to be, I want to make sure my message resonates with all size companies because, you know, Nationwide is known uh, across the country and it's a very large company and you may think, well, oh, anybody could recruit anyone to Nationwide. And, and sometimes that's true and sometimes it's not true. But when I look at um, you know, recruiting today and recruiting really from, from um, all size companies, you know, understanding the vision of where you're going and why it matters, um, I can tell you at Nationwide, I can recruit people to Nationwide mostly talking about Nationwide Children's Hospital. You know, our company has provided close to $130 million to Nationwide Children's Hospital. I mean, so much that it was renamed. Yeah, I was going to say, it Nationwide was. Nationwide Children's. And, yeah. And when I talk about the importance of, of competing and competing to win and getting the results to take care of our customers and our associates and invest in our business and then give back 
to our communities in ways like we do with Nationwide Children's. You know, that's a vision and a soul of a company that, uh, that people can relate to. We've recruited people that move here, work at Nationwide because they have kids that are treated at the hospital. Or maybe in some point in their life, they took advantage of a children's hospital and liked that whole corporate connection. So, you know, understanding the vision of where you're going, I think, is just one of the most critical areas of recruiting talent into the organization, especially talent that's new to your industry. Yeah. You know, in the midst of recruiting and retaining, I mean, you've you've helped lead an incredible period of growth in nationwide financial services. COVID, obviously, a massive obstacle. But what are some of the other big obstacles you and your team have had to overcome? And maybe you want to touch on COVID, but if you want to touch on some others, because there have been others, I'm sure. Well, there have. Um, What I think for people tuning in and First off, I think this is a great opportunity for all businesses to learn from each other. So I want to say thanks about to, to that. But I think that there's advantages of smaller businesses. And it's one of the things I try to bring to my role as a board member on the chamber, which is, um, you know, when, when you think of this, the, the, the companies like Nationwide, we do have some disadvantages. And, other, and, and small companies can come in and take advantage in different ways. Uh, when I think about an established company and, you know, challenges that we may have that that smaller companies don't and could take advantage of, one might be top-down decision-making. That's why the way that we make decisions on my team, I try not to make it be top-down. And much more, the person that's responsible has that priority. They have the ball and they're going with it. But top-down decision-making, you know, that's not as much of a problem in small companies. It's not as hard to implement and to execute. And small companies, I think, have an advantage uh, from that standpoint because larger companies are are slower. The other might be organizational silos. We have companies that are almost 100 years old within Nationwide. And, and you can bet, you know, that, that we work every day as leaders to try to break those silos down. But, but that's an area that if you're smaller and more nimble, you know, you can kind of go um, after that. Legacy technology. I mean, that's another that that small companies today, startups today, in some ways have an advantage because they they don't have to overcome legacy systems that 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 we have. I mean, an example for Nationwide is that we, you know, for the most part, had our own servers and data centers and all of that. We had to, you know, change gears and use the cloud and do all that. While... Some of those were quite aged, <laughs> it'd be my guess. Exactly. A few decades. And, and, but it was more like we had to do it all ourselves. We don't have to do that. But, but you can imagine the advantage that a fast mover might have. Um, and um, we all are suffering from talent shortages. When I am talking about that, you know, and I would encourage all companies that it's, it is about the salary and the benefit, but it's also about your work-life balance. It's also, um, you know, when you really talk about the opportunity to, to build and to establish a career, those are all, I think, advantages for small and large. But you have to have that whole story. We, we work at Nationwide pretty hard at making sure people do understand not only their full incentive plans and uh, but but their whole benefit plans, their health plans, all of the ways that, that nationwide, I mean, we even provide benefits for volunteering. So if volunteering is important to you, 
that should be part of the overall discussion. So it kind of gets back to, to the values and culture. So if you're a small firm and you have values and you have that culture, you, you can make quick decisions and, and implement those across your organization. You don't have silos and you have new technology. I mean, to me, you would have a really great advantage right now. You mentioned um, you're a member of the board of directors for the Columbus Chamber of Commerce. In addition to your role as president and chief operating officer of Nationwide Financial, you, you do so many things. You're a member of the board for the American Council of Life Insurers. You travel to D.C. to voice, you know, conversations, make those conversations happen about retirement planning. I want to kind of go to the personal side. I mean, it's professional, but it also is personal choices on your end with your active professional, personal, and community commitments. What would you describe your typical week? What What does your typical week look like? Well, you know, my, has there been a typical week? <laughs> right? I'm trying to think of the last typical week that, that I've had. I mean, I answer um, to our customers. And so from a customer standpoint, I'm always meeting with my team leaders. In fact, we have scheduled meetings about every other week. And half of those conversations, I'm asking them about their own development which is a little bit different than what you might think in a company like like Nationwide. Um, I work with my peers, those other individuals that run businesses and report up to our CEO. That That is you know, an area that we're expected to work together and to collaborate, to get things done and, and to um, uh, learn from each other. So, so that is part of my time. I'm encouraged by my boss, Kurt Walker, our CEO, and our board to be involved outside of the company. So whether it's Nationwide Children's, whether it is the, um, the chamber, my alma mater at Missouri, I mean, these are all areas that I'm uh, involved in and happy to give back because they provided me so much. And, and I'm fortunate that my company expects that out of me. And that's part of your, whether it's a typical or atypical week, it's part of what you do. It's it is. with the DNA within your schedule, so to speak. I yeah. mean, really and truly. Um, you mentioned kind of coaching earlier, which I always love to talk a little bit about that. But what do you do to ensure that you continue to grow and develop as the leader you are? I mean, you have made it in many ways to the top of the mountain, but I can tell you're the kind of person that wants to continue to learn and evolve. So what do you continue to do now that you're, you know, in a position like this? Well, <clears throat> learning. I mean, learning constantly keeps you fresh and, and I think keeps you um, growing. And, and I think it keeps you younger. So from that standpoint, you know, you always should be trying to, to learn new things. Um, you have done a lot of work around the importance of story. And, and it reminded me when I was coming in to talk today about a partnership and some friends that I worked with, and actually they, they did a lot with Nationwide and with our teams um, out of Orlando from the Human Performance Institute. One of the first books they wrote was The Power of Story. Uh, yep. And Jim Lair and uh, Jack Groppel wrote these books working with athletes at the time, but it was all about how you mentally prepare to perform. And athletes, think about it, you know, you train all week and then you have a football game that's a couple hours or even, you know, some sports are much, you know, shorter in time. <laughs> yep. And, you know, in your job and in mine, we work and work and work, but when do we really train? So this balance of preparing to be your best at work and at home, that was something that we brought into Nationwide close to 12 years ago. And it really has been 
one of the game changers of how we've driven performance, increased engagement. I'd like to think increased really the whole um, health of our organization. And I think help people, you know, achieve those things that are most important to them in life. And many of those things have nothing to do with work. But if they could view their work as that opportunity for them to achieve the things that were important. I mean, for me, it was really raising healthy kids. And, and you know, so I didn't have time to, you know, be answering emails at three in the morning and staying up, you know, when I had, you know, three kids at home at the time. I mean, that that required balance. And I didn't want my work to suffer. I didn't want my kids to suffer. So I really had to have that that balance and that 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 energy management that that came from the Human Performance Institute and and you know it all comes back to the stories that we tell ourselves. Wow. So I take it you would suggest that book, The Power of Story. <laughs> I think it's a great book <laughs> and I think it's one that no matter what you're going through, particularly when you think about what we've all gone through, um, you can rewrite your story. And if you have different things that happen at different times, you can, you know, I would say if you do get the book, you know, use it like a workbook and, and plan to open it up again and again and again as things evolve. Oh, I love that. You can rewrite your story no matter where you are, what you're doing after coming through something like we all came through. Of course. Yeah. I, the the importance of that, you guys underline that. Take note at home. <laughs> Write it down. You well, got you, you to. know what you tell yourself, right? You and, do and, the stories we tell ourselves, and, and you tell yourself. And sometimes they're on point, and sometimes they aren't. But boy, they can hold you back too. So, another question that I think is important to ask you, because, since I mean I have you here, for these business professionals who are thinking about, you know, those stories and the stories they tell themselves, and what and how to rewrite their story. What about financial planning and budgeting? I have to ask you because you're here. I mean, what we have a lot of different business professionals listening right now. You know, what are really key elements to them doing this successfully? That's a big question, but what are some of the things that you have seen maybe gaps in or opportunities? Yeah, well, it's a great time to address this because with the holidays coming up, you actually have families that get together. And if you don't want to talk about politics... <laughs> And we don't. <laughs> Which I don't think people do. <laughs> Why don't you talk about things like, you know, financial planning and legacy and what you want as a, um, you know, as a either it could be a husband or a wife or a father or a friend or a son or a daughter. You know, so many things have happened in the last couple of years that people are much more open to facing their, more, their, their own mortality than they've ever been. Well, okay, we face it. Like anything, if you face that fear, then you can work out of it. Truth. So if you can face the things you're, you're most concerned with, and maybe a loss of control, moving out of your house, and maybe, you know, who knows? I mean, it, we all have, have, um, have those insecurities. But, but this is the perfect time to talk about how you want to live in retirement with your family. And there are so many different ways that you can plan for it. Um, but boy, it's kind of like a dream. If it's just up in your head and you're not sharing it and you're not getting it down on paper, you know, have you ever like tried to describe a dream and then you go, never mind. It made perfect <laughs> sense to me up there. Yeah, not right. so much. Right. Uh, working with a professional, I, I think is a wonderful way to do it. Having these discussions at home so that the things that you want, 
that you actually can uh, plan for. You know, my parents, when they were alive, their biggest fear was losing control um, and moving out of their home. We didn't know that. But when it really came push to shove, we're like, there are eight of us. We can keep you in your home. You know, what's the next worry? Well, that was kind of it. But if we never would have talked about it, they would have just, you know, had anxiety about that for years and years and years. Well, and my guess is you gave them the opportunity to dream and think bigger, but they knew what they wanted. And you probably asked those questions too. But yeah, if we don't have the conversations, how is anyone ever supposed to know? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, and and now with the pandemic and, and, you know, the the tragedy that really has hit so many families, um, you think about life insurance and you think, oh, that's a boring thing. I don't want to talk about it. But it's one of the few investment products that that could have triple tax benefits to you, as well as, I mean, it's come such a long way. We've invested so much in technology that getting a life insurance policy requires very little paperwork, doesn't require you in many cases to even visit a physician because we can get the information in, in lots of different ways. And you can do things with life insurance policies now, like if you need um, long-term care to come out of your policy, you can do that. Chronic care, um, if you have somebody who's helping you from like a partner's or um, uh, standpoint, you know, there's lots of different ways that you can be creative. And then if you don't need those benefits, then you just have a, a life insurance policy with your beneficiary benefiting. So, you know, lots of different ways, but boy, you got to talk about some of these things that people do not want to talk about. Yeah, instead we just say, you know, pass the stuffing and, (laughs) you know, how's the kids doing at school? Let's get a little deeper. Yeah, You know, you mentioned your role on the Columbus Chamber Board of Directors and Executive Committee. And I know you chaired the Play to Work Golf and Tennis Invitational Fundraiser, Don DePero. We all know and love brought the idea to you. How is how are things going at the chamber? And and can you tell us in particular about that event as you're as you're talking yeah. about your work with the board? Well, play to work uh, was near and dear. We have uh, uh, several strategic pillars um, and really the strategy that the board executes, and, and one of them is workforce development in Central Ohio. So play to work was a way that we raised money through the chamber foundation to benefit workforce in Central Ohio. Um, we have great news every day of companies that because of the work that the chamber is doing and other fine organizations in the community, this is a destination spot for companies. So if we're here, you know, people, firms like Nationwide are happy that we're here. And, and um, but if you're in other communities, you, you may be moving to Nationwide, moving to uh, Columbus and relocating here. Um you know, that being said, you know, with the economy, you know, um, unemployment is very low here. So how we get the workers to the places where, you know, they're required for the best jobs, where how can they be educated and how can we bring new people into the community and get them ready and skilled and out and working? Cre- you know, that's a combination between our colleges, um, you know, even you know, our high schools, the chamber, and, and, um, and, and the businesses in the community to bring all of that together. No one can do it all on their own. So Play to Work is a way that we raise funds for workforce development. And again, very proud that that is something that um, continues to grow and is one that benefits uh, Central Ohio in, in, in getting the workers where they can work uh, for um, the, the best skilled jobs for each of them. Yeah, so a passion for workforce development really kind yeah. of 
that's part of your wheelhouse and what you do for the board. Well, it is. And, and I think that, again, you know, these are one of the things where you can make a difference and you can look back and say, you know, the, the, the chamber, the board were better that I was there because of that input. And I think every board member, you know, feels that way. It's, it, 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 it is a really dynamic board. I mean, it's one of these things that the, everybody is fun to be around. Uh, it's very engaging. Uh, and, and, and again, from the leadership standpoint, I've um, really enjoyed my tenure on the board. I serve on the marketing committee, and I agree. The, the ideas yeah. that flow, right. the opportunities to be involved, it's just we had a great conversation a couple weeks ago. And I was thinking, man, this is good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking with leaders, you know, other leaders in other parts of your industry. And everybody's or, so open. Yes. And the chamber membership is growing, which I think is a great leading indicator of engagement of the business community. Truly. So one of the reasons we have conversations like the one we're having today on CBuzz is because we believe that continued personal and professional development really is one of the most valuable aspects a leader can have in business. So before we go, and, and I know we've already talked about the power of story mm. and the impact that that had on your life and on the work that you do, but I would love to hear what's influencing you lately. So it might be a podcast, it might be a book that you've read recently, a show, involvement in some kind of group beyond the chamber. I, I can hear your passion and your voice on that. What is, what is really making you light up and think? lately what 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 thing would it be it'd be three things can i mention my kids yeah i mean yeah your kids are an influence it's true because i have uh, a son who's a paramedic and he's up in um knox county and the things that they're dealing with right now yes COVID is top of mind but so substance abuse and so is suicides and so is domestic violence and and it is 24 7 with those frontline workers and we talked a lot about the opioid epidemic before the pandemic. Um, it hasn't gone away. And so I listen to him. Um, I listen to him because I worry about him. And I also am proud of the work that he's doing. And I don't think that we're necessarily focused on the things that are happening right now for our frontline workers. So that, that's um, um, one area where I'm spending time. The second is my daughter is in graduate school in international studies. And she just taught me that that the the where she's interning for the federal government is they are building the first um, um, COVID vaccine manufacturer in the continent of Africa. Wow! So to think that there's not one, yeah, mind blowing. <laughs> you know, so you learn a lot. Um, uh, you learn a lot from your kids right now. And then my youngest is um, about to graduate from college, and he. He always challenges me, and so he isn't that the youngest yeah, oh, too. Yeah, yeah, so he um, turned me on to a book that I recently read. I mean, we're Irish, and there was a book called "The Famine Ships" that I just read, and it was about really the Irish immigration or um, um, exit, if you will, yeah. out of Ireland, and and the um, only how you know mostly one of three ever even made it across and in that were some of the manifests that we could trace back to our family so those are kind of three things that i didn't really you know plan to talk about today but that's on my mind but think about that book i mean and how it ties back to legacy and we've talked so much about legacy within this and what you're learning in your own family and and that's i mean Really and truly, there's a space there that you're in that even outside of work, you are 
Well, you try to learn, you know, I mean, we all learn from our families. And if I think about my family, because, you know, I can't ever feel what somebody who might look different than me might feel from what they've gone through because their family history. But I know that with mine and and many Irish, when they got to this country, they were really told, don't apply for anything. You're not worth it. You're not worthy. You, 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 um, the very bottom. Well, you know, that is something to pause, uh, think about what, you know, and I think of my family, what my ancestors did to get here. And that can maybe help me have more empathy for others that are challenged right now, maybe like my ancestors were, you know, hundreds of years ago when they came here. Um, it's, it, it is the stories that we, that we tell ourselves and the power in it. John, really incredible conversation. I just thank you for your time and, and sitting down with us and learned a lot today. Learned a lot in talking with you. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. For our listeners, if you want to learn more about John and Nationwide Financial, visit nationwide.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to let us know by sharing your ratings and reviews on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you may be listening. Your reviews really do help people find our show and hear our community stories, John's stories. Um, We read your feedback. We value your ideas as we plan for future episodes. I'm Michaela Hunt, your host. And on behalf of myself and the rest of us here at Capitol, we hope you have a great one and we'll catch you next time.